is part two of an episode that I did with the great drummer Nate Morton, who's on the hit NBC TV show, The Voice. In this episode, we'll dig deeper into the conversation once he's moved out to LA and learn about all the auditions that he went on, all the opportunities that he had, and finally landing this amazing gig on The Voice. I hope you learned some tidbits of information that Nate so graciously shared with us about his experiences coming up through Berkeley, all the way to moving to Los Angeles, and everything that he did for all of these various auditions that have now made him one of the top drummers in the world. You know, and some of the process, like with the Billy Myers gig, right? With, mm-hmm. with, with that, re- with that two-day audition series that happened, yep. were you given music ahead of time, or did you have to go in and just wing it? Oh God, no, 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 no! If you're going to do an audition, typically, um, back in that era, they would say, you know, oh, go to her manager's office and pick up this CD. And the CD would have, you know, three songs on it. And they would generally be listed in the order that they were going to be released as singles. You know, here's the first single, second, third. And in the case of Billy Myers, I feel like her single was already out. It was a song called Kiss the Rain. Kenny Aronoff, I think, played drums on the original recording. Okay. And uh, yeah, that dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that up and coming guy. What? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a, he's got a lot of potential. I think if he yeah, sticks yeah. with it, he's really right. going to yeah. go far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope I hope people get my my stupid sense of humor. They like, totally. just, I hope they're just not like, oh, my God, he said he thinks Kenny Arnoff is up and coming. <laughs> oh, my God. He's an idiot. That guy. No. Um, no. So, yes. Uh, Kenny, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Just <laughs> so so I I. I Pick up, you know, you pick up the CD, and this is 20, 20 years before, almost 20 years before, I have to start. No, 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 no. I take that back. I'm sorry. That would have been in the, that would have been, let's call it, let's call it 99, 2000 area. Yep. And then it wasn't until 2005, six or so when Rockstar came along, which was, which is this, this TV show that I did where we started having to learn these like kind of high volumes of, of songs, right? Where it's like, Oh, there's 15 songs this week to learn, which in retrospect doesn't seem like a lot because there are times on the voice when it's like, okay, here's the 36 songs we're learning this week. God, it's amazing. But at that time to have to come in and in a week learn 14 songs or 12 songs, it was like, I mean, if you do a tour, if you do a tour, you might be rehearsing, let's just say, six days a week, seven or eight hours a day. And you, depending on the tour you're doing and the level you're doing, I mean, you might be learning two songs a day. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You might be learning two songs a day because the keyboard players are dialing sounds and, and this and that. I did one tour where... It was it was actually literally that. It was literally out of a 10-hour day, the keyboard players and guitar players were dialing sounds for seven and a half or eight hours of that, getting the sound right for the for what the track was. So the idea that you would come in and in the space of a week from Monday to Saturday, Saturday, really? Monday to Sunday, you know, it's like Monday and Tuesday, you got to learn 14 songs because you're seeing the contestants on Wednesday and Thursday. I mean, at that, like I said, now 
I mean, I could, I could, I could, you know, <laughs> this sounds so terrible, but I mean, I could do that and read a book and crochet a sweater at the same time. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then the idea of 14 songs in two days was like, whoa. Right. So anyway. And this was the rock star time frame that you're talking about? Correct. This when, was the beginning okay. of Rockstar. This was the right. beginning of Rockstar. Okay. Um, so, and so, how did you get that? Like, Nate Morton walks in the room and like every drummer runs, it's runs to the corner like a bunch of, are you out of your mind? So <sighs> don't, don't, you know, don't belittle okay. 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 the okay. fact okay. that you had to go do something to get these gigs. That's okay. important. Joe. Okay. Why don't you ask me, ask me, Okay, so you were with ask Billy me, Myers, ask me, and then ask me the big question, which is because this is this is this was this is the big question that'll bring it on home. Ask <laughs> me the big question, which is how did you get the gig on The Voice? No, because there's so many other things in between. No, 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 no. Just oh, try I thought it. there was. No, no, no. Just try. Okay, it. really? Okay. So Nate, how did you get the audition on The Voice? No, 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 no. The gig, the gig. Oh, the try, gig. Try again. Try again, Joe. Okay. Nate, how did you get the gig on The Voice? Nate, how did you get the gig on The Voice? Funny you should ask. <laughs> oh my gosh. So back in oh, get comfortable, people. <laughs> back somewhere around 2002. I always want to do like in the year two. Right. <laughs> if anyone remembers that, I don't know if anyone remembers that little Conan O'Brien bit that he used to do with Andy Richter. Um so back somewhere around 2002, I was playing with a singer-songwriter, a piano player named Billy, uh, Billy Myers. That was a little earlier, uh, named uh, Vanessa Carlson. So 2002, uh, 2002, 2003, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe 2003. And for those of you who may not be familiar with Vanessa Carlson, she had a, uh, a single called uh, Thousand Miles. It was a really big summertime single. So I'm touring with, with Vanessa. And... We're somewhere in the middle of somewhere, and I get a call. See, but there you go again. You skipped over. How did you get that gig? Well, I, I, I actually didn't skip over, Joe. Because <laughs> I said, because I said, <laughs> Nate's a jerk. Because I, because I said that many of my earlier auditions, of which Vanessa Carlton was one, came through Barry Squire. I actually probably, okay. I probably okay. admitted that. But yeah, she, so, so, okay. Then I'll give you the quick, I'll give you the quick overview of, the Barry Squire gig. So of the Barry, of the gigs that I did, or of the auditions that I did when I first moved to town, that I found myself in a room in some way, shape, form, or fashion at the result of knowing, or as a result of knowing Barry Squire. Yeah. The first one was Billy Myers. The next one, I think, was Tommy Henriksen who is a guitar player, bass player, singer, songwriter, rocker of all levels. Um, he's currently playing guitar with Alice Cooper, right? But at the time, he had a deal on Capitol. Yeah, Capitol. He had a deal on Capitol Records. So Billy Myers, Tommy Hendrickson, Darren Hayes, who was a lead, I think he was the lead singer of Savage Garden. And so for a minute there, Darren Hayes had a solo project. Darren Hayes. And so I did an audition that I was fortunate to get through that. I was unable to do it because of a conflict with another Barry Oscar, <laughs> Barry Oscar audition that I did, which was uh, Vanessa Carlton. So okay. 
Darren Hayes and Vanessa Carlton conflicted. So I found myself having to choose between the two or fortunate to have the, you know, good, good problem of choosing between the two. And, and I, and I, I elected to play with Vanessa Carlton. Um, and then also in there was, um, there was a, well, there is a, he's, and he's badass, a techno dance artist, uh, EDM artist, if you will, called Brian Transo or BT is his name. So those, those handful of auditions all came through the Barry Squire stream. So perfect. Barry Squire. Now, Barry, I feel Barry so Squire much stream. better now. There you go. Barry Squire stream led to Vanessa Carlton. So, boom, now I'm on tour of Vanessa. Perfect. Phone rings. This might have been a Barry call as well, but it was, hey, mate, there's a certain big artist who's auditioning, and she is looking to put the band on retainer, and the auditions are this day. She's heard a lot of players. They haven't settled the band yet, and we would like you to come to the audition. And I won't say the artist's name, but her initials are Alanis Morissette. So, <laughs> so oh my god! So, so that I'm, was true Nate so Martin pretty, form right there. Thank you, thank you, it was perfect. Thank you, thank you. God, I'm so glad. So, so I'm 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 out with Vanessa, and I get this call that Alanis is auditioning, and I know that Vanessa's tour is winding down, and so I'm very excited. I'm like, oh man, this could be a great transition so in the middle of the of the vanessa gig i fly home all of this by the way i'm still answering the question how did you get the gig on the voice if you can't if you can believe it <laughs> um so 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 it works out that the day she's auditioning it it falls on like a day off that i've got with vanessa and so it's a day off with vanessa i don't remember where we are but i race to the airport in the morning i fly home i'm listening to alana's songs on the way home the songs that she's going to ask for and right i'm charting out my little charts and the thing and then i get there and i go to the audition and and it was amazing and i played i was like yeah this sounds great you guys were rocking whoa <laughs> and at the end of the audition they go man that was great <laughs> you didn't get the game and i oh. went oh, oh my heart broke i was so sad right so I did not get the gig. They said, thank you for joining us. You, you're, you, know, you did a good job, but we're going to, you know, we have a, another guy. Okay. I get back on a plane the next day. I fly back. I rejoin Vanessa, which is a great gig. No disrespect to Vanessa. Anybody so, know where you went in that period of time? Sure. Was it, probably. Was it or actually, you know what? Do you know what the truth is? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't even remember. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember. I mightn't have said. Maybe it would be not kosher to be like, hey, I'm going home to audition for a gig that's, you know, bigger than this one. And so so maybe I wouldn't have said it. Maybe I would have had a more a little bit more subtle approach. But <laughs> nonetheless, I didn't get it anyway. So I arrive back and then I finish out the Vanessa tour and I'm a little bit bummed that I missed out on that great opportunity because hashtag Alanis Morissette. Man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hell yeah. Shoot. So uh, if she called me today, I'd be like, I don't know. Can I, can I fit it between my voice schedule? Are you, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You know what I mean? She's amazing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the Vanessa uh, tour finishes. And not too long after the Vanessa tour finishes, and I feel like this is, I feel like this is the end of 04. I get a call from a friend and he says, hey, Nate, 
um, Mark Burnett is putting together this TV show. It's called Rockstar. He needs a band. And so he has called upon however many MDs, eight, 10, 12 MDs, to put together bands to come and audition to potentially be the house band on this show. It's going to be like American Idol, but it's going to have like rock and they're going to run the rock songs. You know, it's going to be great. And so I go, okay, that man, of course, I would love to. And so the person who called me for that audition was a bass player named Derek Frank, who has a very, very long list of credits uh, to his name. So Derek put together the band as the band leader, and we went and auditioned. So now we're in early 2005, because if, if memory serves, the first round of auditions for Rockstar were in the first or second week of the year. That was like January 5th or something, right? Was the audition. We audition. We audition again. Multiple bands audition again. The whole process is going on and on and on. And eventually they wind up saying, okay, I get a call from Clyde Lieberman, who is, I'm, he's still in my life. At that time, I get a call from Clyde Lieberman and he says, okay, Nate, we've narrowed it down. We have three drummers that we're looking at and you're one of the three. And here's the next day. You know, can you be here on this day at this time? Okay, sure. You know, of course I can. So I go there and now, now we're in like late January because the process started like early January. Now we're moving into like mid late January. Wow. That's incredible. So, no, no, man. I haven't even started. <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> so, so, so I go there and the other drummers are playing and the rotating drummers in and out. And the way that, uh, I mean, I've done several auditions and they all work a variety of ways. Um, but generally, if none of the band is set, then some portion of the audition, the live audition, is that drummer with that bass player, that bass player with that guitar player, that guitar player with that drummer, that drummer with that bass player and that guitar player. And they're, especially in this sense, because of the television show, they're analyzing it all. So, so they're, they're well above, like, do these guys sound good? They're like, do I like that guy's dreadlocks? In my case, for example. Right. The, I, ooh, that guy has a guitar that's like day glow pink. That's cool. Ooh, I hate that guy's boots. Like it's on that level because it's sure. a TV show, right? So um, at the end of the day, we're playing, we're playing, we're playing. Okay, I'm, let's, let's say I'm drummer number three. So we're playing, 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 playing. At some point they say, okay, drummer number one, you can go home. And then I look around and it's just like drummer number two and, and me. Playing, 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 playing. And at some point they say, okay, drummer number two, um, thank you a lot. You can go home. And then it's just me. And I'm playing for like the rest of the day and it, well into the night. So finally they say, okay, we're finished from the, for the night. Everybody can go home. Now, when they did that on Billy Myers, it was, this is the band. We're playing vibe tomorrow. Let's get her done. As opposed to on this, where they're like, all right, thanks. Go, so now go I, home and worry. Now go home. Now go home. Worry. Now go home. Right? <laughs> so I go up to Clyde. Clyde Lieberman. Love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. I go up to Clyde and I go, say, hey, Clyde. Um, as I look around, I don't see any, any other drummers. I said, so, so can I? I said, so should I, should I go home and, you know, have a celebratory drink? And Clyde's response was, well, you should definitely go home and have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right. Oh, so, no. So, so now we're at the end of January. Uh, 
the band that they arrived at, sort of, somewhere in February, they, they, they had this band, right? And, and I was included among, in, within that band. And they had an MD, a guitar player, bass player, um, and a multi-instrumentalist. And so then that band did a gig for the, that was a CBS show. So we would have done a gig for like the higher up CBS guys, right? Yeah. We would have had to have been approved by them. Then at some point they kind of went like, well, what if we had this person on bass? So then that band did another gig for the CBS people. Then, well, what if we had this person on guitar? Then that band did another gig for the CBS people. Then it was like, well, this isn't working out. Let's go back to the other band. Okay, now then that band did a gig. So, so there, were, there, were, there were hoops aplenty to jump through. But in the end of all the jumping through hoops, and I remember this date. I don't know why. It's just burned in my head. And I could have it wrong, but I remember this date. I feel like May, I feel like it was May 19th. We were all sat in a room with the executive producer of that show, Rockstar. His name is David Goffin. And that band was myself on drums, Sasha Kritsoff on bass, Hafa Moriara on guitar, Jim McGorman on guitar and multi-instrumentalist, and musical director Paul Murkovich. So that was the first time Paul, Sasha, and myself worked together as a rhythm section. Now, Sasha was my bass player on Vanessa Carlton. And Paul had also worked with Sasha in other situations. But this is the first time that that, that this was the, the genesis of that rhythm section. So from Rockstar, that rhythm section went on to do multiple sessions in town, two seasons of Rockstar. Um, that band went on to do a tour with Paul Stanley. Ultimately, that rhythm section wound up doing the share Caesar's palace run. So now I flashed all the way forward from 2005. Right. By the way. So the first audition, the first part of that audition was in early January and the band wasn't solidified until May 19th. the end of May. Well, May 19th was when they said, if you want to do it, got it. And then ultimately by the time contracts were signed, yeah, it was the end of May. It was the end of May, beginning of June, somewhere in there. So all yeah. of this time, you're not making any money? No, the auditions that we did and the rehearsals that we did were paid. Okay. Because, because at the end of the day, you are a professional musician. So even whether, whether you have the gig or not, it is still your time, you know, and okay. it is, you know, I mean, we weren't, we weren't on some sort of, you know, incredible retainer or anything, but at the same time, the powers that be know that to expect you to dedicate the time to learning these songs and doing these rehearsals and showing up and, you know, wearing halfway presentable clothes and showing up with good gear and playing a gig and sounding good. That's not something that people would typically want to do for free. That's something that, that, you know, that that's what we do. And so right. they wouldn't have expected us to do that for free. So um, any point during this interview process from early January to this May date where it finally gets solidified, did any other tour opportunities come up that almost tore you away to go and say, okay, this great thing has just come in. And if I get this, I'm out of here. I'm done with these auditions. I'm going. So Joe, <laughs> when you called me 
and you were like, hey, man, can you come on my podcast and chat to me? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, sure, sure. And then you were just like, yeah, we're going to talk about your life story. And, uh, right, right. I was kind of like, uh oh, this is going to be like everything I've always been asked before. And it's going to be all the same stuff. I hope Joe comes with a new question. Like, I hope so. <laughs> that's the first time anyone has ever asked me that question. Seriously? And, and yes, that's the first time I've ever been asked that question. And that is an interesting question. And it is, is, it is very insightful. Oh, well, thank I, so, I'm looking. Absolutely. I'm looking through all of this because I live through you. You know that, right? So Stop that. I, I am. All of these questions are like, man, if I was in the middle of all this and all of a sudden, you know, share, I get the call from Barry saying Cher's auditioning. So sure. anyhow, that that's why it was. Well, and, 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 and like I said, it's a good question and it's a very astute question. And the answer is yes. I mean, because it was from early part of the year to like May. April, you know, in that, in that neighborhood. So yeah, that's when things are happening, right? That's when things are happening. Um, I, I can't remember specific things that I would have, you know, turned down or that I would have not been available for, but I will say that even in that context of it not being solidified, I felt like it was definitely worth keeping my carts hooked to that ox okay. because it was a TV show. Sure. And all the time that I was touring, I was definitely like, you know, like touring is great. Touring is a blast. I love it. I may wind up doing it again at some point. That would be amazing. It'd be fun. But there's also an extent to where it's like, it might also be nice to be able to make a living staying in town and seeing your family every day and sleeping in your own bed and driving your car and going to your favorite restaurants and not dealing with the fact that you showed up at, you know, 10 and the rooms won't be ready until two. So you're sleeping on a couch in the hotel lobby. Right. You know, that's, that's also an element of touring. So, so yes, so things came and came, came and went and I definitely decided to stay the course and, you know, follow that, that, that path um, towards what I thought would be a TV show, which what wound up being a TV show. And, uh, where was I? Sorry, Bubba. So no, it's okay. So uh, Rockstar, you guys, it's you did a right. bunch so of shows. So that was the first time we played. Yeah. Right, right, exactly, exactly. You're the new so, hot rhythm section in town, right? Uh, we're the new rhythm section in town. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know how hot we were at that time, but but yeah, you know, and and so so the whole the only the only point that I was really trying to make in this very 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 long winded you know spool here is um, the, the fact that I'm able to be on The Voice now is a direct result of the relationship that I started with Paul Murkovich back in 2005 on Rockstar. So what is this, 2020, yeah. right? So this whole gig started coming about a decade and a half ago. And so I and so I say all that. I say that to even spin it further back to talk about what I was saying earlier about relationships, which is that you have no idea. You know, the 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 guy that you do a gig with one time for a hundred bucks at a club somewhere might be the guy who calls you for the audition that completely changes the course of your career. Right. So you know. So and, rock, and so Rockstar was till when? Rockstar unfortunately only lasted two seasons. Rockstar was 2005, 2006 on CBS. The first season it was Rockstar NXS, 
and the feature band was NXS, and we were going through the process to find a lead singer to replace uh, Michael Hutchins. And then the subsequent season was called Rockstar Supernova, and they had chosen Tommy Lee. Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> Tommy Lee, Jason Newstead, and a guitar player. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Um, but they were putting together this super group. They were putting together a super group. And, and so they were basically auditioning for a singer to front this super group. And that was what that season was about. Okay. And so then, yeah, like I said, that season ended. And then Paul Stanley called, like the Paul Stanley, yep. like the walking, breathing, living, <laughs> iconic <laughs> legend, Paul Stanley, yep. calls and says, hey, guys, I'm going to go out and support my solo record. Do you want to play with me? And it's like, well, duh. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, he, Paul is amazing. Paul, Paul, Paul is Paul and Cher. Paul Stanley. And share, share, yeah, share. She says share. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that. But Paul Stanley and share both have this. They are at once incredibly sort of uh, present and know exactly who they are, and the fact that they are literally iconic legends, but at the same time able to make fun of themselves, able to laugh at themselves able to be down to earth, able to be um, just so, what's the word I'm looking for? Authentic. Relatable. Yeah. Authentic, relatable yeah. in a crazy yeah. way. You know what I mean? Um, I'll never forget. I told Paul Staley, I said, um, I said, yeah, man, I was in this band, you know, however long ago or whatever. And he goes, man, I got shoes older than that. <laughs> like, oh, okay cool <laughs> i love it too paul stanley i'll tell you this too one time so the rock band it's the story <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm so no because that was such a funny time then so it's the band from rockstar and paul stanley and i said to paul stanley i said man the band from rockstar and paul stanley i said this is the best band i've ever played with and paul stanley looks at me he goes yeah yeah i'm, I'm sure this is the best band you've ever played with nice <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh no he was, awesome. he was so great man he was so great and it's like and the cool thing too is we did a we did a show a while back um and one of the songs that we played in the season finale after the season finale is over and the show is over i hop in my car to drive home and do do ding and i have a text from paul stanley telling me oh my god man great job on you know such and such a song tonight that's so cool Man, it's amazing. So you know, cool. he's he is genuinely one of those guys who I don't know. He's just he's he he's he's able to balance being an icon and still being sort of down to earth and that's really you know, cool. Relatable and yeah. So what year is this that you go out with him right after Rockstar ends? Well, Rockstar would have been oh five, oh six well, oh five was one season, oh six was another season. And so I feel like we did, I mean, it would have been 06. It would have been 06, maybe into 07, but maybe just because because Rockstar was a summer show. So we might have done Rockstar and been done at the end of the summer. And then we might have spent like the fall slash winter with Paul Stanley. 
okay. and then been done. Because because the the second leg of the Paul Stanley tour was Australia. And so Australia, if you don't know, or if anyone doesn't know, is backwards to us. Mm -hmm. So Australia winter is our summer. So it's 100 degrees in the winter. So I feel like it was that. I feel like it was like the fall here. I feel like it was 2006 rehearsals, maybe in the fall, tour here in the fall. And then I feel like that tour would have gone into like maybe like October, November in, in Australia. Okay. Of that nature. And at yeah. this point, is this the biggest tour that you've done up to date? Up to With Paul? Yeah. He is definitely the most iconic artist that I would have worked with at, up to that up point. Up to that point. Okay. Well, okay. Whoa, 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 No, because I don't, man, I try not to like. You've done so many great things. We can't leave anything out. No, no, I'm just, I'm, 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 okay, what is that? That's why I'm prodding you for all of this stuff. This is no, my job. I mean, man, I'm just fortunate. I'm fortunate that I've managed to eke out a living doing this thing. And I'm fortunate that like people call me to do, you know, what I do. I feel like. And you're about the most humble person I've ever met in my life. That's the reason. That's nice. That's nice of you to say. Thank it's you. true. But it's, it's true. But no, but you know what it is. So, so look, so when I was in high school, I wasn't walking around like, yeah, one day I'm going to play with Paul Stanley and Shaka Khan and, you know, I'm going to be on TV. I didn't think that. I thought like. That was like your Richard Pryor. Thought, that was like your. <laughs> you sound like Richard Pryor there. <laughs> I'm so not going to even try to do Richard Pryor. It was great. But, but, oh but I mean, I guess. But my, my, but my point is that like, my point is every day I am of two people. I am the person who gets up and goes like okay, today it's time to get up and learn the Peter Frampton song that we're playing on the show today. Like, what? Like, the first, you're right. So so, so part of me goes, okay, let's learn the Peter Frampton song. That's the, that's the current me. Right. But the high school me is still in there. And one of the first records I ever owned was a Peter Frampton record, right? Not Frampton Comes Alive, but it was like one before that. The single was a song called I Can't Stand It No More, which I'm not even going to try to sing, but it's a really cool tune. Yeah. But like, so the part of me gets up and goes, okay, let's go learn the Peter Frampton song to play today. But then inside that is still like the little kid going like, I can't believe I'm playing with this guy that is one of the dudes that I learned to play drums by jamming along to on my drum set, yeah. to, the, to, the, to the LP on my record player. So I say all that just to say like, in terms of being humble, it's not like I'm trying to be humble. It's just that I still, the, 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 me, the, the, the young me still steps back and looks at what I'm fortunate to do and goes, oh my God, dude, you are, you are like a lucky friggin' fortunate mofo to get to do what you're doing. So, uh, the, and, 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 and then again, circling back to what, where we were, which was, you said up to that point, Paul Stanley. And the reason why I paused I had not played with Cher at that point, but I feel like I had played with Natalie Cole at that point. Ah. Yeah. Ah. So, so right, right. Yeah. So, so genre differences, obviously, and volume of people who know, obviously, you know, potentially different. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of iconic. Yes. I mean, they're both. They're both right there. I remember going out to dinners. Natalie would have these dinners. We were on tour in Japan at one point, and she said, you know, when everybody come down to dinner at the, you know, the restaurant and the hotel or whatever. And we're there. And she would say things like, 
you know what? One time daddy said that, and I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Your mind explodes. My mind explodes. That is so One cool. Daddy said, and it was like, wow. Yeah. So yeah, man. So I mean, so, so I can't remember the exact timeline, but up to that point, yes, it would have been Natalie, Paul Stanley. I had a short, I had a short, uh, uh, run with Shaka Khan okay. up to that point. So she's, you know, she's, you know, I mean, Shaka yeah. Khan, right? Hey. I mean, and again, like I said, even as I say this now, I, I have a hard time saying these things because I don't want to come across like I played with her. It's like, to me, I literally look back and go like, I played with that person. <laughs> like they hired me. And they're so banned. cool. So, so cool. No, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's, man, I'm so fortunate. I'm so fortunate. So where are we in the timeline now? Because. Well, at this point we're up to about, we're, we're up to Paul Stanley. So when Paul Stanley ends. Yeah. And this Paul again, Stanley, what year is this? Remind me. 2009. Well, we're, all, well, we're, we're pretty much almost current at this point because when Paul Stanley ends, that's gotta be like, let's see. Oh five, oh six, oh seven. That's gotta be like in the Oh eight ish. Oh seven, Oh eight ish ballpark. Yep. Okay. And then I did a TV show. I was fortunate to do a couple of TV shows. And one of them was called The Bonnie Hunt Show, which was a daytime talk show on NBC. And circling way back to your way earlier um, question about in terms of who was at Berkeley with me, who that I know still. So Cheche Alera was the piano player in the band on The Bonnie Hunt Show. And, 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 it, is, and it is through Cheche Alera that I got the call to audition for the band on The Bonnie wow. Hunt Show. Right. This is how many years later? Later than Berkeley? Yeah, it's like. I mean, it's 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 uh well, Berkeley. I graduated in '94. The call for Bonnie Crazy. Hunt. Their audition comes '94, 2004. About a decade and a half. It's crazy, right? This is exactly <laughs> what you were talking about. But it's it's relationships. Yeah, it's relationships. Yeah. You know. Um. So yeah. So then, so Bonnie Hunt, and then that ran for a while, and then Bonnie Hunt for a stretch ran concurrent with Cher. So I was playing with Bonnie and Cher at the same time. And I can't actually remember which one came online first, but what I was basically doing was I was playing in Vegas with Cher. And then on my days off from Cher, I was coming home to do Bonnie here in LA. And I was basically driving back and forth and doing sort of wow. double duty. Yeah, it was it was a little bit, it was a little taxing. Oh my God. <laughs> it was a taxing. So was Cher a Barry Squire gig? Share uh, actually came through my relationship with Paul Murkovich, dating back to 2005. Okay. So meeting him in 05, doing the show with 05, 06, Rockstar, Paul Stanley Tour, Sessions in Town, other things in town. And then Share would have come about, I mean, it feels like 09-ish, but don't quote me on that. Okay. 09, 09, give or take six months to a year. Okay, and the share gig was it a walk on for you because of Paul, or you still had to audition? Share, that's funny. You called it a walk on. I, 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 so, I don't so, right? It makes it sound so casual. Like, what, what hey, if, man, come on over and I'm play with us and share. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where that term comes from. Walk on. Oh, no, well, well, isn't that like a football like, thing? Like, if you you don't have to you don't have to go through the the audition. No, or, or I, the, I think it's no. I think it's kind of the opposite. I think it's a college. That's I think it's a college athletics term, but it's not a good thing. Now, I know you're using it as a good term, but okay. I think that in, 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 in college athletics, you have your, your, your top tier 
guys who are on scholarship. So like, for example, on a, on a college basketball team, like a division one team, I think there's like 12 kids, I think. And I think that like 10 of them are on scholarship, but there's like auditions, auditions, music nerd, there's tryouts, <laughs> tryouts. to fill like those last spots. Hey, I, I said auditions too. Spots, I couldn't think of the word. Right. I think those last spots okay. are walk-ons. Okay. Like, okay, we've got our, we've got our eight or whatever it is, our 10. We've got our, we've got our blue chippers over here. We've got to fill out the team, open tryouts. And then there's like a hundred kids. And of that hundred kids, you pick like four or five, whatever it is to fill out your team. That's a walk-on. So like a walk-on oftentimes never even gets on the floor. Like in in that context, okay, but so I understand I what you're saying. Totally used. No, you, you did, but no, but I understand. I totally understand what you meant, though. I totally understand. So, but and and to answer your question, yes, I did not audition. Mark was playing with Cher. Okay, and I believe that Pink had dates that um, conflicted, and so I believe that he made the decision to go and fulfill his obligation with Pink which vacated the share position, which gave Paul, you know, the leeway to basically call me. And then I came in and I finished out the whole run with, um, with share at, uh, Caesar's palace in Vegas. Got it. And she so was then, amazing, <sighs> amazing person, everything. You, you actually got to hang with her a little bit. She's a awesome. She's wow. awesome. She, she is one of the people like, and again, I, 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 I never take any of this for granted. I never think any of this is assumed. None of it. But like those kind of stories that you hear about artists who are like, you know what? I'm just going to buy out the whole theater for Tuesday night. So my whole band and crew and dancers and everyone can go and watch Boogie Nights. You know what I mean? Like, or, hey, I'm just going to like buy out all of the pole position indoor, um, you know, uh, uh, go-kart racetrack for a night. So my whole band and crew can just go in and do that. So, you know, she really, she did a thing once where Cher is the coolest, like Cher is the coolest. And the first person to make fun of Cher is Cher. Like she's so, you know, like self-effacing, but at the same time knows that she's an icon. Right. And that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing balance. But we did a thing one night where we played bingo. Right. Hey guys, I want everybody to come down, you know, to the theater. We're, we're, we're going to play bingo. Okay. So here we sit playing bingo and the prizes, if you get bingo is like an Apple iPad. Okay. So this person wins. Okay. What do you got? B 11, I 17 in 30. Bingo. Okay. Here's your iPad. Thank nice. you. Good night. Bye. Okay. Here's your <laughs> iPad. Okay. It's like, it's like, it's like, um, Oprah, you get a car, you right, get right. a car, you get a car. <laughs> right. So, so, so the night ends and we played, I don't know, there's, there's 200 people on the crew and we played 30 rounds of bingo. So 30 people have walked out with iPads. Okay. Well it's late. It's, you know, it's Vegas. So, so, so Vegas late. So it's, you know, I don't know, three in the morning. Okay, everybody. You know, it's all good. Great job. Last round of drinks on me. Okay, good night, everybody. Bye. Okay. Show up the next day to, you know, whatever it is, sound check. Oh, date. Here's your iPad. What What do you mean? I didn't win. No, no. Sure got iPads for everybody. Nice. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's cool. So, 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 yeah, no, she was, she was one of the 
coolest, most relaxed. She and Paul. I mean, I don't, I gotta say, it's and it's ironic or not that two of the most well-known, iconic, well-respected artists that I've ever worked with are also two of the most down-to-earth, relaxed, nothing to prove. Cher has yeah. nothing to prove. Paul Stanley has nothing to prove. There's no attitude. There's no weirdness. Like, It's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And I've just been fortunate that I, I have historically never chosen gigs, opportunities, situations politically. And here's what I mean. I've never chosen a gig because the artist was the biggest artist or because the guys in the band I thought were the coolest guys who would call me for gigs one day. I've always been the guy who, if you call me for a gig, you call me for a gig. Okay, Joe? Hey, Nate, put together a band for this gig I got going on. I'm never going to be like, let me call the four guys who I think are most likely to call me for a big gig. Right. Let me call the four guys who are my boys, who I think could really, A, use a gig, or B, are going to play this the best. I'm never, so that might wind up being four guys you've never heard of, right. but they'll kill it sure. and they're my buddies and, and it'll be a great gig. So I guess my point is I've always done that and I've never chosen gigs, by the way, based on political or financial gain. So numerous times I've had gig A that might be more beneficial politically or financially, frankly. But maybe I hate the music. Or I've got gig B where I love the music and I love the dudes, but it pays half what gig A pays. I'm on gig B. And the reason I've always done that is because I've always hoped that in the end, wherever I land, I'm going to be playing great music with great musicians in a cool situation with guys that I really love being around. And I am so fortunate that that's the case. The guys in the band on The Voice are my brothers. Those are my guys. Right. It could you prove know? to be a really long tour if you're on a gig where it pays a lot of money, but the music sucks. And you, you don't, don't like, like the people. people. <laughs> yeah, or you don't like the people you're playing with. And, and yeah, and, and uh, yeah. I, like I said, I've just, I've just been very, I've been very fortunate, you know, and, 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 and again, it's like the guys on The Voice are my family. And not even just the guys on The Voice, the guys on The Voice in the band, the girls on The Voice in the band, the whole voice music family. People sometimes say, how do you guys get along so well? And I'll quote one of our keyboard techs slash brainiac, Patrick, who knows the answers to all the questions. He just does. He's like Joe Technology. But someone once asked, how do you guys get along so well? And Patrick said, or no, they said, why do you guys get along so well? No, was it? Hold on, let me hold on, let me get it straight. Yeah, it was how do you guys get along so well? Mm-hmm. And Patrick said, it's because we have to. Like we have to. In other words, what we do and the product that we create and the amount of time that we spend around each other and working with each other, it could only exist 
if we had the kind of family relationship that we do. We have to. If if it if it's not that, it it can't get done. It can't right. happen. Right. You know. Yeah. So. I'm rambling, but that's no, no, no. That's kind of that's that's the whole story. So, 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 an answer. So again, in the timeline, you're 2009. Yeah, that's when the voice starts. 2010, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, and and the voice was. I guess I might be getting it mixed up with Rockstar. The voice wasn't a lengthy audition, right? It was you're already. Because of Paul and everything, I don't remember. Well, I mean, the voice. So the voice came about. The voice was not an audition. Okay. But the process that led to me being on the voice started a decade prior. Right. Over a decade prior. You know, so so no, it wasn't an audition, but it was a relationship that built over the over the preceding, you know, however many years that was from. Well, I said a decade, so I guess I guess not a decade, but uh, the voice would have been two thousand and nine, ten, and I would have met Paul in two thousand and five, so about a half a decade. So yeah, so it would have been a five year, six year relationship prior that led to the voice ultimately. That's for amazing. me anyway, right? Yeah, and it's uh, and it's going strong, and you guys sound better than ever and it's just amazing and just to be on the set it was so cool i think the funny and i tell people the story all the time um the fact that i was able to have you know some ears to listen to yes. the, the band oh the banter Ooh. on the bandstand Ooh. oh don't you ever put that out anyway oh, okay <laughs> we're the worst we're the worst <laughs> okay all we do is bag on each other all day. oh my gosh it was amazing <laughs> um so what else i i want to make sure we didn't miss anything and i want to also give you a moment to um plug anything that you're doing i i don't know if you still you still have your band outside of the voice well uh i'm involved in a side project with my buddy sean halley uh sean halley and i and sadly now do you always do these via zoom or so far because i just started it when all of this happened right so. and all of this for your listeners who may see this down the road uh, years three years four years is that we are in the midst of a zombie apocalypse uh Correct. there are cars being turned over better known as COVID yes, yes yes it's 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 crazy um so yeah man all of this is happening amidst this time when you know gigs are getting canceled and all of this and actually i had a gig with my side project which is a band called fraud profits which is myself and my dear dear friend sean halley uh, also a genius, by the way. And we had this band, Fraud Profits, which was filled out by bass player Ben White. And Ed Roth was going to be playing keys with us. And we had a gig booked on April 10th. And we were all excited to do it. And so it's not happening. But in terms of things that I'm doing outside the voice, that is one of the primary things. Uh, so you can, if you're interested, you can look up Fraud Profits, F-R-A-U-D-P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S uh, dot com. And you can also find us on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. And so we will continue to keep you updated on what we're up to. And the album is available where all albums are available. It's called Poptosis, and it's really rad. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. It's cool. 
And then what about lessons? What are you doing? Uh, I don't know. I guess trying to study with you at some point when you have some, have some availability okay. well, and you can, and you can yeah, fit me in. I'm pretty tied okay, up well, right get back now. To me, get back to me you can, <laughs> when you can fit me in your schedule. Oh no, so, my God. So, no, so how, so how can people, how can um, drummers that want to go to the next level take lessons from you? How I, I know that, right. I guess if they're in LA and when things get back to whatever air quotes normal, if that happens, yeah. Um, they could come there to your studio and right. do it. Right. Um, but in the meantime, doing, I'll, I yep. will, I am making myself available for online lessons. Um, and it's a thing that thanks to this, I think I mentioned to you earlier, I got my whole rig up and running. So I'm talking into like an actual microphone as opposed to my, <laughs> my earbuds. And I have on headphones as opposed to my earbuds because the headphones, the microphone are all running through my studio gear, which I'm making like gestures at, but no one can see. But, um, I, I, I am getting the rig here set up so that I can do online lessons. I have done some in the past and I'm thinking that with my new audio going on, thanks to the motivation of getting with you and chatting tonight, um, I have it a little bit more under control. So sure. If you want to, man, if you want to get together online for like a lesson or an exchange of knowledge or any of that stuff, I'm so easy to find. I'm on Instagram or Insta, as I call it, when I want to make my wife really Insta. angry. She's like, no one calls it Insta. I call it Insta. <laughs> no one calls it Insta. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, dude. No, so what's your, what's your handle on Instagram? I don't know. You don't? Um, oh, man. I'll, I'll find it and put it up, in the show. Up. Wait, wait, wait. No, I think it's just, I think, <laughs> I think it's in, in as in Nate, eight, the number eight, yeah. D-R-U-M-Z. N-8-D-R-U-M-Z. I think that's me on Instagram. Perfect. It's also okay. on my license plate. Nice. Oh, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh-oh. So, so the band was having a rehearsal at center staging, and my license plate on my Subi says N8DRUMZ, Nate Drums. And there was some other band there, and I can't remember who the artist was, but like the drummer and the guitar player of that band came over to our rehearsal and we were just hanging out. And you know how it is. Musicians hanging out. Oh, what is this? Oh, it's the voice. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this gig. Oh, you talk. And so the drummer talks to me and says, oh, you know, you're the drummer on the voice. I'm like, yeah, what's your name? Nate, Nate Morton. Oh, Nate, Nate. Oh, is that your car in the parking lot? that says Nate drums on the license plate. And I was like, yeah. And like literally I swear to God, he looks at me and goes, I, you could be an eight drums. <laughs> like, like, like I have to, like, like I needed to have a gig right. of a stature that would allow me to have the name, name the on your drums. license plate. Perfect. I was like, I was like, oh, you're so young. <laughs> like young musicians is so cute. Oh my God. No, but he was funny. No, he was funny. He's like, all right, you could be an eight drums. I was like, thanks. That's Jumpster. so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> like, let me just get my cane. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god. No, nah, but he was cool. And of course, and of course I looked him up and he's like, you know, one of these killing young drummers. There's so many, man. Yeah. There's so many of those incredible guys just yep. doing all that stuff. Well, cool. And I go boom bap, boom bap. Yeah, well. No, you don't, but you can say that if you want. You do a lot more <laughs> than that. True. So uh how about well, Facebook? Uh do you know where they find you on Facebook? Yeah, sure. Facebook.com slash Nate Morton Drums. Perfect. Uh so we did Instagram, Facebook. Do you have a website? 
I don't have an actual website. The closest thing I have is probably the fraudprofits.com okay, cool. site. Okay. And um, what else we got? I Basically, assume you don't hang out on Twitter or do you? You know what? So here's the thing. And I'm just being honest right now. I'm just being real. Somewhere along the line, I intentionally or unintentionally linked my Instagram to my Twitter. So it seems like whatever I put on Instagram winds up on Twitter or maybe it's my Facebook. But no, I'm not really active on Twitter. So if you actually want to like catch up with me, find me on Facebook and I'm easy. And like, I'm not always the fastest to get back, but I get back to people. So if you find me on facebook.com slash Nate Morton drums and you follow me there, you send me a message, whatever, whatever, I'm going to find it eventually. I'm going to get back to you because it bugs me. My OCD would be bothered. Like I can't look at a message and like just delete it. Like I look at it and I go, ah, I gotta get back to that. <laughs> so even if it, so if it's a, so if it's a day or a week or a month, I do my very best to get back. I'm sure. And, 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 and you can always go like super old school and just email me at n8drumz at earthlink.net. Cool. And then really important is your YouTube page. Ooh, are you going to ask me to recite it? No, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but do you have more, do you have your Nate one? And then do you, is it the Nate? No, no, it's just one. So it's the one it's with the one. Nate cam, like all the stuff, uh, the yeah. voice video. Yeah, that's all right? on the same. That's all the okay, same. Cool. Yes. That's all the same channel. And it's youtube.com slash C like the letter C slash Nate Morton drums. YouTube.com slash C slash. Oh, C Nate Morton drums. Oh, wow. There you go. I kind of just got that. <laughs> oh my god! Again, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> oh my! I think I should actually put some like cool gifs on, yes. on the on the yes. video, like that. Lower yes. your head, just explode, like the top flies off. Duh! <laughs> I think. All right, endorsements. You're awesome, Joe. See. Always thinking. That's my endorsement. That's my endorsement. No. <laughs> no. That's my endorsement. No. You said endorsements. Joe, you're incredible. You're, yeah, well, you're amazing, but that's not what, what you know. What endorsement? That's an endorsement. No. <laughs> okay, so I am very, very fortunate to uh, be affiliated with some really awesome companies. Uh, I'm afraid to say them all because, like, I'm afraid to forget one. And then oh, I know. Okay. So, 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 can you just put it in the? I'll put it in, in the, the text. Yeah. Is there anything else that I missed that you wanted to talk about? Um, you know, I don't want to leave anything out. I you know what? That's 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 interesting. You should ask, and I will just I I will just say this. I have. This is going to be really weird. I'm going to go a little. I'm going to go a little left, Joe. That's and fine. I don't know if you're expecting this or that's not. Okay. I have. Six kids. I have a wife. Her name is Nicole. And outside of all of this, the show stuff and the gigs and this audition and that audition and this tour and that artist and that venue and that TV show and all of those things are amazing. I have to say that I find my motivation and I find myself looking back on what is most important. And all of those things are great in the sense that they allow me to do the things that I want to do with my family. Mm -hmm. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, I don't mean to be fruity or anything. It's just, it's like I spend, I spend a little bit of time getting to do things like this, like chatting to you, and I talk about drums and I talk about music on the show. And I just never want to lose sight of the fact that within that world, I I I, I take a lot of pride and I put a lot of import on being able to spend time with my kids and my family as well. And one of the biggest words in our industry or in my life, I'll just, I'll speak very, you know, small scale. One of the biggest words in my life is balance. And so while it may look from the outside, like the balance is completely shifted to all of that. There's also the other side, which is that you've also got to allow yourself time to like spend time with your gnarly four-year-old who drives you crazy because she's insane or your two-year-old who might fall off the trampoline if you don't zip the thing closed or my 13-year-old who has a tennis lesson or who can't play tennis right now so I take him to Home Depot so they can hit on the on the wall or my 17-year-old who I drag into the lounge room to play a game with chess with me or my 19-year-old who's away at college well he's home now but who I communicate with and go, how's things going in your pursuits, you know? Um, or my, I left out my eight-year-old who, who is an eight-year-old teenager. She's eight, but she's already a teenager. Isabel, can dad have a hug? Fine. <sighs> you know, so, so it's like, I, I, I don't mean to get too cheesy, but you know, a long time ago, a great and dear friend of mine, Tony D'Augustine, said the hardest thing about creating a career as a professional musician is finding a balance. And I said, a balance between what? And he said, a balance between everything. And at the time, I was in my early 20s, and I was like, what the, what does that mean? And the older I get, and every day, every week, month, year that goes by, I really do get it. It's a balance between Gigs that you love, gigs that pay the bills. Being gone on tour, making money and supporting your family, seeing your family, working hard and, you know, doing whatsoever versus having no work, but making yourself spend time doing things that are important otherwise. So again, I don't mean to get too cosmic with all of this, um, but yeah, I just wanted to make mention of that. I just wanted to make mention of the fact that Again, circling, circling way back again to Sharon, what's her name, who said you don't sound very well-rounded. I said, I'm focused. Well, now I've adapted that focus. And that focus is, you know, twofold. It's on music and, and creativity and doing that side of things. But it's also on focusing on family and spending time with the wife and the kids and yep. all those people who put up with me. Yeah. You know, all those little people who call me dad. I'm like, what? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, you have such a great and family. My wife, and my wife and the wife who puts up with me. The wife, yes. like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be in my studio working 10 hours a day without her. Nope. I couldn't jump in my car and drive into Universal and work, you know, 80 hours a week without her. Nope. Right. Yeah. So, so those people are important and those people create the balance that, that, that makes my life really fucking cool. You deserve it, brother. It's, uh, I am honored to call you a friend. I am so glad we met. I don't even know how it happened. I, I know that. We were both at one of those drum get-togethers. It was a Remo Zildjian yeah, something. Yeah, sure, probably. And I saw you as I was leaving, and, and I handed you a card, and 
and I had this funny slogan on the back of the card and I was like a block and a half away already. And you were like, Hey dude, I love your card. <laughs> it was something really funny. Like like, me. That yeah, sounds like and me. then it just, it went <laughs> from there and all the other stuff. So I appreciate you so much. Um, and I can't wait to see you in you. person again. You. Please give, hopefully soon. Yeah, I know. Please give my love to your family. We'll and, do, buddy, uh, and you. Yeah, I will. And you. I will. And I really appreciate your time, man. This is awesome. And um, thanks so much. Joe, absolutely my pleasure. And thank you for having me on. All right, brother. I appreciate it. You take care. And you. Thank you so very much for listening to this podcast. It's so important to me that you've taken the time out to listen and potentially subscribe. If you have a moment, it would be great if you could share this podcast. I would also love it if you could rate it. And if you have time, it would be amazing to have a review by you. Once again, thanks so much for listening. I really, really appreciate having you here and being in your ears.